Now this morning we are starting a series on prayer, as this is our month of prayer. And so our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 through to 18. And Stephen is going to do that reading for us today. Let's read or let's listen to the words that Jesus taught about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you go, uh, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the words of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Matthew chapter 6, and this part of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. When things are going badly in your life, I wonder what your first reaction is. What's your first reaction when things are, are, are not going well in your life? Is it, to, is it to panic? I'm sure for a lot of us that is our reaction, that when things are going badly, we, we immediately press the panic button. We throw up our arms and we think, what are we going to do? For others of us, we we don't react that way, but our reaction maybe is to to freeze. Maybe that's what we do. We just don't know what to do, and so we're we're frozen. We don't feel as though we can do anything. It's a bit like rabbit and and headlights, isn't it? When you see them and you're, you're going along in your car and it's just there, not moving, can't do anything. For others of us, perhaps we go into full-on fix-it mode. Something has gone wrong, we immediately get into action and we are going to fix it. 
And so we work hard on, on ways that we can try and work through solutions uh, to the problem. Now I guess all these are, are natural reactions and it depends on what kind of uh, personality as to how you will react. Will you panic? Will you freeze? Will you just try uh, and fix it? And there will be other reactions too. But what should our first reaction as Christians be? When we are facing difficulties and problems, and indeed even when we're not facing difficulties and problems, what should our reaction be? Well, surely our first reaction should be to pray. Our first reaction should be to pray. Now, the question that we're going to think about this morning is, is it? Is it our first reaction or is it not? And if not, why not? You see, as we are sat here in church today, I'm sure that we would all agree prayer is a good thing. If I put a survey out to you, and I'm not going to do that this morning, but I said to you, well, is prayer an important thing in the church? You'll be ticking the box saying, yes. It's really important. Prayer is something that we, that we do as a church and as Christians. But do we really believe that it's the first thing that we should be doing? Do we really believe that prayer changes things? Because God is powerful, and God is amazing, and God is wonderful. Do we truly believe this? That's what I'm asking you this morning. You see, in our secular world, we are constantly being told that God doesn't exist, and that prayer is a waste of time. And if you say that you're a person who prays, then you're pretty much laughed at. I'm sure that you will remember uh, these two leaders. Twenty years ago, in interviews with Jeremy Paxman and David Frost, Tony Blair was asked whether he prayed with George W. Bush. And I think it was in the, in the context of the Iraq War. Now, the inference from both of the, the interviewers was, was that prayer was foolish. They were trying to make Tony Blair uh, look foolish. That's what they were trying to do. That it would confirm that, that he believed in God and that he believed that, that prayer was important. If you remember back to that time 20 years ago, Tony Blair denied it. He didn't pray. Maybe we're a wee bit like that. When push comes to shove, we might be scared to say to people that we pray. Because sometimes prayer seems like the opposite of, of taking action. Now, of course, I hope what we, what we learn from the Gospels is that Jesus was not afraid to pray. He was not afraid to pray privately, and he was not afraid to pray publicly. And, of course, if Jesus, who is the very Son of God, prayed, then, of course, it's imperative that we, as followers of Jesus, pray too. Now, as I said earlier, we have just begun our month of prayer. To pray for the church. And the reason for this is because we are concerned about the church. We are concerned about the church in Scotland. We are concerned about the church of Scotland. We are concerned about the church in West Kilbride. Because as we know, these are challenging times for the church. 
We only have to look around us to see that these are challenging times. Where are our young people, for example, in the church? Now the big question for us is, well, what should we do? What should we do? Now when things are difficult and a bit of a struggle, and indeed even if things are not a struggle, our first thought should be to pray. Should be to pray. Now this morning what we're going to start thinking at and, and looking at are about different aspects of prayer. And today what we're going to be thinking about is private prayer. Because what's important for us to realize is that prayer can be public, can be corporate, or it can be private. And there's a place for all of these aspects of prayer. But today we're going to think about uh, private prayer. Our passage today is from Matthew chapter 6. It's part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, in this part of his teaching, is explicitly teaching the crowds that they are not to do things for show. And so Jesus has already talked about giving to the needy in the first part of chapter 6 and said that people are not to to give to the needy for show, eh, but they are to give in secret. And in the passage that we just read this morning, it's similar. We are to pray, and how are we to pray? We are to pray in secret. And when we are to fast, as we saw at the end of the passage, that Stephen read for us. We are to fast in in a way that's not not obvious that we are fasting. In other words, Jesus is speaking against doing things only for show and only for public display. Now again, note here that Jesus is not speaking against corporate prayer here. Sometimes I I hear people use this passage to say, all prayer should be private. The number of people that say to me, oh, you know, you know, I pray privately, but I could never come to a prayer meeting. I could never, I could never pray. I don't really know how to pray. Sometimes I say to people, well, you can speak, can't you? If you can speak, then you can pray. That's all that prayer is. It's not, more any, it's not any more difficult than that. Simply speaking to God with your brothers and sisters beside you. This passage isn't here to show that all prayer should be private. And we'll see in a couple of weeks' time, God willing, uh, about aspects of of corporate prayer. But what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6 is that we don't pray for show. We don't pray to, to impress others. Instead, what are we to do? Well, Jesus says we are to go into a room We are to close the door and to pray to our Father. And when we do that, there's no one else there to impress. It's only us and God. That's it. And so we can be ourselves, can't we? We can truly pray. If prayer is something you really struggle with in your life, I want you to remember that when it's just you and God, think about it. God knows all about you. He knows your life. He knows your background. He knows exactly what you're going through. Therefore, you don't need to get on your knees or sit on your chair or stand or whatever, however you're praying. You don't need to impress God, do you? Because God already knows about you. 
And sometimes I think God looks down from heaven and he thinks, see that McNay guy, what is he doing? Why is he trying to, to pray in this very peculiar way? When I know all about him and I just want him to come before me and to express his heart, that's all I want. God knows everything. He knows everything about us. He knows what's on our heart. He knows what we're going through. And so there's this very honest and very real relationship that we can have with him, can't we? You see, we can all be guilty in our lives, can't we? When we're going around and we speak to people, we put on a mask. We don't want to show people who we truly are. But when we're alone with God, we can put a mask on. Because God knows all about us. And so we can be real with him. And so we don't need to pray using a, a certain style or, or using certain words. As Jesus says, we, we shouldn't be babbling like pagans who think they'll be heard because of their many words. We don't need to impress God with our, our fancy language. We don't need to pray in a way which is alien to the way that we speak. We don't need to use King James English to address God. And we also don't need to pray to God as if we're giving him the news. Sometimes we pray that way, don't we? You know, God, I was just doing this today and, you know, I met this person. God knows. He knows it already, doesn't he? God knows what we need before we ask him. That's the wonder of prayer. Now, as you think about that and you think, well, God already knows what I need before I ask him. Therefore, why do I need to ask him? That's a very strange thing, isn't it? Why do I need to ask? But remember here that we are God's children. And as our children ask us for things, which we probably pretty much already know that they need, so we in dependency upon the Lord are, come to, are called to come to God and to ask Him. And there's a lovely part here too. I wonder if you noticed this in our passage. Because when we come to the Father who is unseen, then your Father sees what you do and rewards you. And so there's this lovely contrast, isn't there, between a God who is unseen seeing what you do, seeing you pray and delighting to answer. You cannot see God. We believe in him and trust in him by faith. But God who is unseen sees you as you come before him in prayer. And he delights to answer your prayers. Do you believe that today? Sometimes when we come before God in prayer, we think, you know, God is mean. You know, God is just, you know, he doesn't want to give me anything. That's so not true. God delights to answer our prayers. And in a few weeks' time, we'll look at that in more detail. But here in this passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus then goes on to give a pattern for how to pray. And we know this pattern, don't we? Partly because we pray a form of it uh, every week. It is the Lord's Prayer. Now, note here that Jesus isn't giving us a magic formula here as to how to pray. He isn't saying, look, just recite these words and all will be well. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is all about. And that's actually really important for us uh, too in terms of when we say the Lord's Prayer together in church. There's little point in saying the Lord's Prayer in church if we're just reciting the words without understanding. 
or just to, to signal the end of the prayer. You see, I've sat in the pews before as well. I know what it's like. And, and sometimes when you know it's public prayer, your mind drifts off. And then at the end of the prayer, oh, it's the Lord's Prayer. We're coming to the end. I better drift back in. That's not really what it's meant to be about. We're meant to pray these words with understanding. And Jesus is giving a pattern. A pattern of of giving glory to God first. Submitting to him. Then praying for our needs. Then praying for forgiveness. To be delivered from the evil one. Acknowledging that we are in a spiritual battle. And so we are to pray. To pray in private, not for show. Not to babble. And to acknowledge that our Father knows what we need before we ask it. And to know that as God forgives us, then we are to forgive others. Now, before we pull just some final (coughs) thoughts on prayer uh, together, some private prayer together. I just want to say just a brief thing just on fasting um, too because it came into the end uh, of our passage today. In the contemporary church and especially I think in the mainline denominations there isn't probably too much teaching on fasting. But as prayer is assumed in the Bible and if you don't think prayer is important look in the Bible. All the way through they're praying. People are praying. So fasting is assumed too. It's something that people are in the habit of doing, of of denying themselves for the purpose of seeking after God. Now again, this is not something that we should be boasting about, but it might be something that is part of a regular pattern. Now clearly, this idea of, of boasting in terms of prayer and in terms of fasting, it was clearly a problem in Jesus' day. There were those who were fasting, And they were making it really obvious that they were fasting. And they were kind of disfiguring their faith because they were looking, oh, awful, you know, I'm lacking, lacking food. And why they were doing that was to to make themselves out as being super spiritual. As with prayer, fasting is not about other people knowing what you're doing. It's about us. And God. It's about that vertical relationship. It's about our relationship with our Father who sees what we do in secret and who rewards us. Now in the month of prayer leaflet, I've suggested that during this month that you might want to think about fasting. Fasting can be done in numerous ways. It doesn't need to be uh, food, for example. But I've suggested that we maybe do it on a Friday. I know of a church up in Dundee uh, and they encourage their folks to fast on a Friday. It's nice and alliterative. That's why they do it. Fast on a Friday. Now, fasting can be done in a number of ways. It can be done with uh, one meal. It can be about having no food at all. It can be fasting from your phone. It can be fasting from your TV or whatever. But it's always with one purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose of prayer. Of seeking after God in a serious way. And it might be something that you might have to think about during this month. We want to be really serious about the issues and the difficulties within the church. We need to bring these things uh, before the Lord. And I would encourage you, if you're 
you're fasting this month. If you are doing a food fast, then just be careful. Seek medical advice if you have health issues. But why not try fasting during this month? And in terms of private prayer, what's the most important thing? Well, it's realizing that prayer is between us and God. And it's finding somewhere quiet that we're able to do it. And it's simply spending time with Him. And it doesn't matter if it's long, and it doesn't matter if it's short. What matters is that we pray. If you're not in the habit of praying, 30 seconds will do a day. That's it. If you are in the habit of praying, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, however long it's going to be, what really matters is that we pray. Sometimes we can get fixated on how long we pray. It's not about that. It's about cultivating that relationship with God. So I encourage you this morning, let's pray. Let's seek God. And as we seek Him, let's come with expectancy. If He will answer our prayers. See, if we learn anything from our passage this morning, we have to realize that as Jesus prayed, and all throughout the gospel, what do we find? We find Jesus going to a solitary place to pray. And you think, well, if the Son of God prays, then surely we too need to pray. And I want to encourage you this morning. You see, as I said last week, sometimes we think, oh, you know, God never speaks to me. You know, God does, never does anything particularly amazing in my life. I want to say to you this morning, have you asked God? Have you really asked God? Have you really spent time with Him? Because there are many here this morning who will testify that when you pray, God answers prayer. And it's a wonderful thing. If we can do anything as a church at this present time, in the challenging times that we face, the most important thing we can do is to pray. You see, why have we got this, these three months coming up in the order that they're in? See, it would be a bit strange about the month of invitation, then we'd pray, and then we would celebrate. That would just wouldn't make sense, would it? What are we doing first? We're praying first. Why do we pray? Because God answers prayer. So I encourage you today, in your own life, let's be a people of prayer. Let's set aside time each day in private to come and to seek after him. Why? Because he is an awesome, wonderful God. He is our Heavenly Father and he longs to answer our prayers.